Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Ah, it's so great to be here today with everyone, which is October 4th, 2017. I've been really looking forward to interviewing Pat Williams, who is our special guest today. We're changing it up. We're not going to be talking about serious health conditions, etc. We're going to get into something really powerful and really fun. Now, Pat Williams, he just um, wrote a book called Getting Naked on Being Emotionally Transparent at the Right Time, the Right Place, and with the Right Person. His background consists of being department chair of the coaching psychology program, which is at the International University of Professional Studies. He's taught graduate coaching classes at Colorado State University and Denver University, Fielding University, Loyola. I mean, he has been everywhere. He's also a board member of the International Coach Federation. He, in 2006, was awarded the first Global Visionary Fellowship by the Foundation for Coaching, which is quite an accomplishment. So let's bring him on to our show now. Hi, Pat. Hi, Lisa. Hi. Great to meet you. And by the way, I love your last name. How perfect for a radio show host, Messenger. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, as long, awesome. as, don't wanna, as long as people don't want to kill the messenger, we're good. <laughs> I do I do my best. <laughs> I really do. Why don't you tell our listeners what inspired you to write your book? Oh my gosh, how much time let me keep the short version. So part of it is a <laughs> life well lived. You know, I, I I've had a life well lived, but my my quick story that's probably relevant is as far back as I can remember, even in my teenage years, I learned the power of self-disclosure, not being afraid to find somebody who could listen and hear the things you were afraid to share out loud. That being said, I went on in to study psychology, but quickly found out I didn't like the Freudian pathology stuff, and I mm-hmm. was attracted to humanistic psychology um, back in the 60s and 70s. So then I went on to get my master's and doctorate in humanistic and transpersonal psychology, all of which have to do with bringing the best out in people, focusing on what makes us healthy, what makes us capable, what makes us resilient. And so I was a psychologist for a couple of decades, and then I coupled that with becoming a a life and wellness coach. And I've been a coach since 1990, and all this helped start the coaching profession with the International Coach Federation and la, 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 la. It's all about... (laughs) 
really wanting people to be their best and not settle for mediocrity. Mm. That is such a wonderful message. How do we do that? Well, I, and I think this book is the culmination of years of study as well as living. I wrote five other books on the coaching profession and, and a dissertation that's way too far gone to talk about that one. But I think how we do that is learn to relate to other humans, but select mm-hmm. humans. Well, we can include animals too, because they don't talk back. So they're good. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, or they listen well, you know, maybe dogs. Uh-huh. Talk, but I, I think I really was moved to say we are relationship beings. I mean, even a hermit needs a crowd to escape from, right? We, we are, we, <laughs> We are built to be relationships, and yet that's the hardest the hardest experience we seem to have as humans is finding good friends, finding good mates, spouses, lovers, et cetera, and keeping them because we often don't stay true to ourselves. Oscar Wilde made a statement that you might as well be yourself because everybody else is already taken. And so well, that's, that's kind of that's the good. theme of this book. Yeah, but, but see, we don't know who we are when we're younger. We don't know who we are when we're experimenting with life. And so we go through ages and stages and relationships mm-hmm. are tough and life is tough and health, wealth, love, and happiness, the four big, the big four, are challenging. But I think what I want people to get in this little book as the culmination of that is if you can find just a few places and a few people to be authentic with, you won't deny that part of yourself that hasn't been realized. That's my true how belief. Do you, how do you find them? Oh, <laughs> well, <laughs> a lot of experimentation. I mean, you, you kind of find out, oh, that's okay. I thought I could trust that person and I couldn't. Or I thought I was being myself in that stage of life, but I wasn't. So you learn as you go down the path. You, you know, we're, when I when I think about being authentic, it doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I... It doesn't mean I'm authentic all the time. I strive to be. And there's, there's a, the reason I even call the book Getting Naked, by the way, is a nice metaphor for no more than you would run down the street naked, you know, and be crazy naked in the wrong places. Do I want you to be emotionally naked in the wrong places or the wrong people? It, mm-hmm. In fact, it's easier for some people to think of getting naked physically than it is to get naked emotionally. Now, not everybody. But it's a metaphor for not hiding those parts of yourselves that are shielded and locked and put in your your dungeon. In one of my chapters, I call it the shadow. Your shadow, don't leave home without it. (laughs) And the Uh funny thing is you can't. You can't leave home without it. It's always with you. Peter Pan found that out when he lost his shadow, Wendy sewed it back on. You're not your Mm -hmm. whole person without your shadow. But in that shadow is not just the dark and scary things that might have happened or you might have imagined. There are also the brilliance and the uniqueness that has yet to be discovered, is brought into the light. So, for example, if somebody shares with me as a coach or if you share with a best friend, you know, I've always really wanted to do something with music, and I never told anybody that. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But if you keep it hidden... You won't even learn to have that appreciation of that part of yourself show up in some way. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of stories in my book that I can give as examples of, of breakthroughs that people had by not denying something that they always 
thought about or wanted to share, but someone told them it was stupid or they'd never be that or they, you know, were hurt in some way. Uh, So they get stuck down inside and we create our own little prison. What's a good example? Just give us one. Well, one, one, good example one teaching moment my, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So a, a teaching moment, and, and this is really good. For, I coached lawyers for a long time. I specialized in coaching attorneys who were learning how to, we call the workshop, work smarter, not harder. Get, get rid mm-hmm. of the clients that drained you of energy and always bugged you and didn't pay well and keep your A clients, your B clients. And people that know marketing know that. But I was mm-hmm. assigned to coach the attorneys after they had the training. And I had a, a 40-something female attorney who I was coaching, and three or four weeks into the session, I said, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you become a lawyer? Or why did you become a lawyer? And there was this pause. And I said, you still there? She goes, yeah. She goes, that's an interesting question because I didn't really want to be a lawyer. And I said, well, tell me more. So she said, well, I've never told anybody this. So she said, my dad just assumed I would go to law school and move into his practice, and someday he could bequest that to me, and I'd run his law firm. And I've done well. I mean, she was making a quarter million dollars a year and was a good lawyer, this and that, but she wasn't happy. So the long story short is, well, what did you really want to do? Well, I always mm-hmm. wanted to be a teacher, but my dad mm-hmm. you know, didn't do it. And so she, we talked about that, and I said, well, where does teaching show up for you today? She goes, well – Occasionally, I mentor other lawyers or I do things for the youth group in town. And I said, well, have you ever thought about a way you could combine your law training with teaching? And so fast forward a few months, she ended up finding a job that she could apply for at a pretty famous college in the South and found out she got a job as a law professor. So there she was still using her skills in law, but teaching. And when Mm -hmm. she went to tell her dad that that was always her dream, he said, well, why didn't you tell me? (laughs) <laughs> I always uh, wanted to be the lawyer so it was one of those uh, you know I write about that in my book it's like if mm-hmm. she hadn't shared that and I was the first person she ever shared it with she might still be stuck in a job that was not happy producing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she didn't want to disappoint her father that was probably the whole no 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 know. well that's a big one that's a mm-hmm. big one getting naked is tough when there's emotional handcuffs that come with it you know, like mm-hmm. telling the truth to your spouse or your kids or your, your father or something. It, so practice with other people first. Find somebody else who can hear you say what you think you have difficulty saying, but say it to somebody who's not judging, who's just hearing you, who can just hold that space. And then maybe you don't have to go to your parents and say something. Maybe you don't have to. You get it out, you get a different perspective, and it's done. Mm-hmm. So it's not about the unabashed truth to the wrong person that's uncaring and unempathetic. It's about learning to deal with the, the multitude of of emotional confusion that might come with things we don't yet understand or we haven't yet expressed. Mm-hmm. Where does where does fear enter into all of this? <laughs> well. Fear is the angst of I'm going to lose fill in the blank. I'm going to lose who I am. I'm going to lose the love of them. I'm going to not know how to survive my my life, my finances, whatever. And so if you can experiment and try it out someplace where it's safe, 
that helps. And then keep in mind, it's not all as dark and nasty as we think. We tend mm-hmm. to exaggerate our stories. We tend to live a story that's not always true. When I used to do family therapy and I'd have say, a family of two parents and five kids and I'd get each person to talk about their role in the family or their memories of things, it was like the same event had seven different memories. And that usually mm-hmm. caused uh, laughter for the family. Like, wow. So none of us really know what really happened or what the perspective was. Well, no, mm-hmm. it's an event. It's an event that created a life of itself and became a story. So how can you get rid yeah. of that? You, you know, you it, 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 it brings to mind, I interviewed um, a gentleman on my show and he's also written a lot of books and he said the one common factor he found with people who were pursuing careers and wanted to change, the success came when they stayed on the path that they were on and then they pursued the other interest on a part-time basis until they financially could switch over. And that's that's brilliant advice because if somebody is working with me, coaching with me, or let's say I'm just a good friend, somebody shares with me, I always wanted to do this or I always wanted to do that. Well, what's stopping you? You don't have to quit your day job to go experiment with writing or to go sing, mm-hmm. paint, or to, you know, whatever. I mean, people can dabble a hobby, and that hobby might become a brilliant career. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in the field of coaching, which is relatively new, it's only probably three decades old, but in the last 10, 15 years, it's gotten more popular. I was a psychologist who could kind of see around the corner with my periscope. I could see that a lot of people really didn't need to see a shrink and they didn't want to have something wrong with them. They wanted to see somebody who coached them to make decisions and make new, think new things out loud with a caring listener. And so sometimes even the people I train to be coaches, like, well, don't quit doing what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. Don't make the bank account. Unless you have $100,000 in the bank or six months of salary, don't quit doing what you're doing. Do it gradually. Space it. Create it. Mm-hmm. And begin to mm-hmm. see if, if you love it like you think you will mm-hmm. and if you know how to build the business. And a lot of uh, famous people that we have in history did just yes. that. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a few people like Bill Gates and uh, and uh, Michael Dell and um, Steve Jobs who quit college because they <laughs> or dropped mm-hmm. out of high school and said, I'm going to go mm-hmm. do something else. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not encouraging people to do that, but brilliant mm-hmm. people or people with creative ideas sometimes are contained by our institutions of family. That's right. Uh, you know, it's it, it, today. Want to learn? Like going to Google. Now, it may not be it may not be correct, but you can go. You know, M- MIT University has every course that they teach online. Now you don't get credit, but if you want to go learn astrophysics taught by MIT, you can take it. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. pretty good opportunities available for people to dabble in what what brings. Some ecstatic yes, joy in the moment. That's that's a really great point. I know that there's several universities that that do that, and oh, yeah. um, most people aren't aware of it. Right. 
And it really learn, is. Learn what as, you want to learn. You know, coaching is about learning what you want to learn while you're learning it. And getting mm-hmm. naked is about having the, the courage, which Brene Brown writes a lot about. I love her because she gave yes. credence to my thought, which is why I finally wrote the book, Vulnerability yes. and Courage uh, to mm-hmm. Be Yourself. There, mm-hmm. There's no failure. But if you share your dream with somebody who's going to say, oh, that's ridiculous, that's stupid, what are you thinking? Then <laughs> you're, you're not going to pursue it. <laughs> It, it, take, it takes uh, a lot of courage. Yes. yes. Of, and the um, word courage is interesting because courage comes from the French word cur, which means heart. So oh. courage comes from having heart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do a lot on your program about health and wellness. Well, if people don't learn to get naked emotionally, they are going to have a lot of health, uh, health problems. True. Um, be, because that's where our stress comes from. It's not living the life that we want, or whether it's overeating or overspending or uh, whatever whatever people do to not have a satisfying life. I I contest that finding the right place, time, and person to get naked with emotionally would start to lead you to a path of better choices, and and that's what it's about: learning to respond to life, not react to life. Mm, I like that. See, biologically, we're set to react. Biologically, we're set to that old fight or flight syndrome, and we're, we, we do. And uh, emergency technicians, like, just needed that in the tragedy in Las Vegas. They know how to, tr- they know how to react in the moment. They don't have to think. Mm-hmm. They just do it. Most mm-hmm. of us have experiences occur, and we, our first reaction is not the choice we usually want to make. If you take a pause or you have conversations with people or you wait a moment, you'll think of choices to respond, and that helps with uh, choices, and that helps with responding. There's mm-hmm. always more than one way. A reaction comes first, and it's not always the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I find myself I many times if, if somebody says something to me that's really not very kind – I I usually am so stunned that I don't say anything. I just kind of move on or walk away. Yeah, that's and what then I, was I just think about it, I, and then all of a sudden it hits me, yes. you know, like yes. 15 minutes yes. later, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that humans have trouble with expressions of anger in the moment, or you know, whether it's and, and smart, intuitive people can later apologize or later clean it up and or, or learn to see the markers first and not react that way. Being silent is a good thing. But if you eat your feelings and and you don't, and you never share about a put down Mm -hmm. that happens, or you never, then that starts to be stuffed down into your chamber that festers and grows into something not good. Yeah. I usually talk to other people about it, you know, like, yeah. you know, what was your, what was your take on that? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and that's the point of this book. Not everybody has those other people. And I'm, I'm saying, you don't, you don't want to be naked in a crowd. You want to be choosy, you know, and you want to be emotionally naked. If you have just a few people, even one or two person that you can trust. And if you don't have that, then get a coach or a counselor or a, a mm. spiritual advisor or somebody, but Find somebody who can just hear you. They don't have to fix you. Right. 
and that's that, that's a key thing for people. Mm-hmm. In the foreword of my book, I even say that this book is not about physical nakedness. It's about being emotionally naked and transparent and spiritually vulnerable and possessing the willingness to expose one's deepest truth. Mm-hmm. I define naked living as the ability to be vulnerable, honest, transparent, shame-free, and unburdened. But the master key is to learn the power of being courageously emotionally transparent at the right time, place, and with the right person. That's the distinction I'm making mm-hmm. is that don't mm-hmm. be, you know, you probably know people who are overly transparent. They share too True. much too soon mm-hmm. with the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And that can be equally dangerous. I want people to be cautious, especially if it's something you're emotionally connected to. If it's just like, oh, I always wanted to be an artist. Well, you know, tell anybody. But if it's something you're kind of ashamed of or afraid to share, be cautious. Find the right person. Dip your toes in the water slowly until you can see if they prove their trust, your trust mm-hmm. of them. In, in your book, uh, in Chapter 6, I found that really interesting about um, cyber sharing, modern communication uh, privacy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, that's very, very, very timely. Yes, it is. And it's not just, uh, you can see nowadays, it's not just about youth, huh? Mm-hmm. We, mm-hmm. We, have, uh, we have some leaders who are oversharing on things. And people <laughs> have started to use social, <laughs> I, this might be dated, so I won't name names. But uh, <laughs> so the name of that chapter was From Soup Cans to Cyber Sharing, Modern Communication and Privacy. I I wrote that mostly for younger people and parents of younger people because people need to know that what you post on Facebook does not go away. It's there forever. It's somewhere forever. And I I had a relative who used to post a lot of party pictures. And uh, then when she started looking for jobs, employers found her Facebook page. So she actually changed her name. She actually changed her name and started a whole kind of a whole new profile. And, uh, you know, it's, that's a lesson. She legally had to change Uh, her name. Not legally. No, but just change the social. I mean, if somebody really wanted to dig, they'd find it, but eventually they go, ah, that was college. I mean, come on, you know, Mm -hmm. but, um, Mm -hmm. but people have to be careful that the, the friends, the friending that occurs through Facebook's, naming and tweeting and so on and so forth. I mean, I like it for marketing, connecting, and what I'm doing in my business, but I don't care that somebody just had a piece of pizza at the Denver airport. I don't care that somebody posted an angry comment and then they got bullied. You know, teenagers get bullied by posting things. Um, I care about people having enough real friends in their life that Facebook is just an interesting place to – Get to get uh, opinions or news or funny videos. Mm-hmm. Or watch the cat play the organ. You know, I don't care. But but it's not the same as having real conversation. I was talking to someone the other day, and they they were where were they? I think they were at church or something, 
and they said everybody was staring down at their their cell phones. Somebody was talking to anybody. <laughs> oh, I know. It's it's so sad when you you go out to dinner and there's a family of four and they're all on their cell phones. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they're waiting for dinner to come. It's like maybe the husband's texting the wife. I don't know, but it's it's just like put put them away. At, at some point yeah. in time, people need to have a unplugged. Uh, an unplugged experience. I mean, well, my grandkids I wonder, are eight. eight. So, sometimes I wonder if it's not, uh, especially with the younger people, if it's just wiring their brains that way now, because it's, well, it's almost it a form of a, of addiction. You know, they have to check yeah, the there, phone. Yeah, it is. It is. There's a there's a lot of research on that. It might even be changing brain waves and the ability to spell and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. My grandkids are eight and five, and they do a lot of brilliant stuff on their iPads and on their video games and things. But but boy, is it hard for them to put them down and just mm-hmm. don't take it with you to the park and don't take it with you at dinner. And I mean, I think all parents and even adults need to learn to have an unplugged time. The world will go on without you for a while. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one chapter, and and I'm glad you picked up on that. There's the, the chapters in the book are kind of written about the general theme, but they're, they're, some of them highlight a different group. So the mm-hmm. first two, the power of self-disclosure is about my story and why I think self-disclosure is important. Chapter two is about becoming real, the Velveteen Rabbit principle. And then I've got Fifty Shades of Play, how to have fun while seriously living. And that has a corporate example in it of a client I coached. I already talked about chapter four, your shadow, don't leave home without it. A work-related chapter is Chapter 5, The Emperor's New Clothes, Transparency mm-hmm. in Our Work Roles. How and when can you be emotionally naked at work? And I don't mean at the Christmas party. I mean, how can you be <laughs> real and authentic? And, uh, yeah. and then we talked about soup cans of cyber sharing. And then Chapter 7 is on naked relationships, the challenge of authentic intimacy. And the last two chapters are skinny dipping, being comfortable in your own skin. That's kind of about aging and getting older and uh, just that whole metaphor that applies to that. And then the last mm-hmm. chapter is called prison break. You had the keys all along. So how to <laughs> I love, I, you're the one yeah. that can get out of the prison. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, you, their uh, chapter titles are just great. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> funny. You asked me earlier how this got inspired. I actually had probably seven of those nine chapters written down on a three-by-five card uh, 15 years ago and stuffed oh in my. the cubbyhole in my office. And no every time kidding. I got ideas for that book, I would stuff in the cubbyhole, stuff in the cubbyhole. Pretty soon that cubbyhole became a box. And then I went to a book writer's conference with a challenge to submit a proposal for a winning contract. And I didn't win, but I had a book proposal. And so then that book proposal got me to be in a writer's club and a hired an editor and I wrote two chapters and they said, you know, this has legs. So then I published it with Balboa press and, and, and now I'm creating online courses to go with it. And it's just, mm. it's great. It's, it's written more for yeah. the general audience than for coaches, although coaches mm-hmm. and therapists sure find it useful. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. I think probably um, one of the areas that touches everyone's lives is um, authentic intimacy, um, particularly yes. in in relationships, um, you know, marriage, um, yes. that sort of thing. 
uh, you know, when you're you're married for long periods of time, um, you know, it's it's really tough to keep that authentic intimacy going. What are your yes. thoughts on that? Well, it boils. I mean, this is the truth. It boils down to communication and emotional truthfulness. Um, and not everybody can do it at the right time. It also boils down to an, a, to a viewpoint that, you know what? Marriage is like a garden. It's going to have weeds. Sometimes it's going to get overgrown. You might need to fertilize it from time to time. You might even need to let little weeds grow because there's, your partner is not going to be everything you wanted them to be. In fact, they're usually the opposite because they, they fill in your blank places. That's part of the attraction. But I also will be the first to admit that now that we're living longer, I mean, I can say I've been married 42 years, but to two different women, 21 each. <laughs> so, <laughs> gotcha. So, yeah. So it wasn't by choice. I mean, my, my first wife left and um, I had the kids in the house. And then the second year I said, oh, my God, I got the kids in the house. But, you know, all in all, we're good friends today. My kids have grown up great. My older daughter works for my my stepson's uh, business, and my my wife and I are good friends with all of them. So if you do it through communication, you can learn that you have ages and stages. My parents were married mm, 61 years, I think. But when I got divorced, that was before they my mother, my dad died, then my mother died. So they were married to each other their whole life, whole married life. And I said, when I got divorced, I said, oh, Dad, I'm so sorry. I said, you know, my older brother's got divorced. I'm getting divorced. He goes, well, you know, your mother and I thought about divorce several times. We just stuck it out. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. There you go. But that was also the philosophy of his Mm -hmm. age. It wasn't easy to get divorced. It wasn't right Mm -hmm. to get divorced. Um, They figured it out. You know, they, they worked it out, and they were great parents. Not everybody can do that, but if you're finding out you're in a relationship where the intimacy, and I'm not just talking about sexual. I mean, that ebbs and flows, but the intimacy, the closeness, the the emotional connection, you know, you're not going to get that from just one person. If you want to have an authentic marriage, you should get, uh, you know, the marital intimacy from just one person, but you got to have your life. You've got to have your own where does your joy show up? Uh, I mean, when I was growing up and my parents and women didn't work outside the home, that was a rarity. Mm-hmm. And then it became a, a women's rights idea. Well, then it became a necessity. I mean, it's hard to believe nowadays, unless one spouse makes a quarter million dollars, how you're going to make it without two incomes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so the intimacy happens from the stresses that pull you apart. People have to make time for each other. They need to have date nights. They need to have weekend getaways. They need to alternate babysitting with their friends or something. Uh, make the time. Make requests. Mm-hmm. Um, and get and then get help when you need it. You know, find out how to communicate again. Find out what's causing the the barrier that's interrupting. I've been watching This Is Us on TV, which is a great a great series. I, I didn't watch the first season, so we're just getting through it. That is mm-hmm. a show with terrific dialogue and terrific communication between different ages and stages of couples mm-hmm. uh, and families and parents and kids. 
Um, people need examples of how it can be. <laughs> That's uh, very true. How does honest communication yeah. look? Yeah. How does honest yeah. communication look? Well, it's just that when things get really, really rough in those types of relationships, um, yep. what is divorce now? 60% of marriages? Mm-hmm. 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 People aren't finding their way out. That, yeah, I don't know that we're – I mean, I think for the kids' sake, as a psychologist, I always hope people would stay – married until the kids were were mm-hmm. older unless of course there was domestic abuse or alcoholism or something like that then there's reasons mm-hmm. but the the human the human instinct is not to be with one person so mm-hmm. you have to see like my dad said we become different people in the course of our life mm-hmm. now we've always got our authentic core but we have different ages and stages we have the work year the school years the work years the the pre-retirement years or the the years where you fire, got fired and lost your job or where there's illness or where there's, mm-hmm. you know, how do you hang in there? Well, you've got to have a support opportunity outside of that. People okay. have to have other places where they can share, where they can be real, mm-hmm. where they can be mm-hmm. uh, understood and uh, accepted, connected. Mm-hmm. Now that's really good advice. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not to, what often happens not to bitch about the other person and find a place to, but find a way to practice how to have an uncensored conversation with the person you love. I, I love that on the show I watched last night. He says, we've always been uncensored with each other. You can tell me what you want, honey. Well, then the, then his wife told him what she wanted. He goes, well, I didn't mean to be that uncensored. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, well, what, so, yeah. what falls Sometimes you need within, to practice what falls within way. that? I mean, uh, uncensored well, conversation. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> well, here, yeah. Well, here's what happens: is people haven't shared what they want to share for a little bit of time. The mm-hmm. uncensored blurt becomes a really hurtful statement instead okay. of a well thought out perceived statement. If you let things build up. And then you have that anger. Well, you know, I always freaking told you. Mm-hmm. That's going to be the outburst of a long succession of hurts that were buried. Okay. It's it's like, what's this really about? I used to tell my my clients that you remember that game as a kid. Now, I'm most people in this home here may not remember. There was called Barrel and a Monkey, and it was a plastic mm-hmm. barrel and. You'd reach down with one plastic monkey with a big long arm and try to see how many other monkeys you could hook and pull up out of the barrel. That's what I think anger is like for us. That if mm-hmm. we stuff a lot of little things, then when something happens, we hook it all and we bring it all out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's that's when people need to understand, wow, that amount of expression did not meet the circumstance. <laughs> At the current time, somehow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. somehow the teeter totter was tilted too much. If that makes sense, that does, completely does. Yeah. yeah. Was well, there anything? So I want people to think communication Good. is about finding a person to share. It's like, oh, I'm so embarrassed to even say this, or I don't want to say mm-hmm. this. Find somebody where you can say that stuff to. Because mm-hmm. you'll find out it's not the end of the world, and you're not the only one that feels that way. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. 
And for me, it's all about living beyond mediocrity. You know, if, if today, if your listeners are no longer willing to settle for mediocrity, then this book is for you. Learn how to communicate and find your authenticity so that you can live with the meter going beyond regular and more toward ecstatic. Well said. Well done, Mr. Patrick. (laughs) 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 It's been a great interview. I encourage all listeners to pick up a copy of his book, Getting Naked on being emotionally transparent at the right time, the right place, and the right person. Would you please tell our listeners where they can purchase your book and if they'd like to get a hold of you, how that's possible? Yeah, one quick answer to all that. If you go to my website, which is www.drpatwilliams.com, D-R, no period, patwilliams.com, you'll see the book right there on the front page. You can click to get it on Amazon or Balboa Press audio book. I just recorded a few months ago the audio version of that. And then also, if there's any way you want to work with me as a coach or a speaker, there's also that possibility on there where you can email me. Uh, the email is easy too, just pat mm-hmm. at com. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Dr. Patrick Williams. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. All right. Bye, Lisa. All right, listeners, that wraps up our program for today. Please join us again next Wednesday. We'll have another wonderful show for you. And until then, be well. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at healthmedianow and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? <laughs>